Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Army Chief Information Officer Leo Garcia. Leo, it's been such a long time that, that we've gotten to talk, so I'm, but I'm so glad you're here. And uh, let me start by saying welcome and congratulations on the new position. Thank you, Jason. You know, it's been a minute since we've talked. I think uh, I disappeared for a while when I took the role as the uh, Army ICCIO uh, in the G2. Now I've moved on to this new role, so I, I appreciate your uh, your congratulations. Uh, and I'm excited. This is great. You know, I, I got the opportunity to spend uh, the last four years really pushing the intelligence formation in the Army forward when it comes to digital transformation, really moving stuff to cloud, really getting the data piece moved on along with the uh, Army uh, data strategy and kind of the Secretary's plan moving forward. But now I'm in a new role, and, I, and I'm super excited to be uh, in this role. I think uh, one of the big things that I'm looking at right now as I kind of look at my transition, which has been very interesting, right, from being in a, in this very uh, intelligence community-heavy role, kind of a little bit more in the shadows than it used to be, uh, and then moving on to to this role has been kind of that new experience of, uh, of things that are outside the intelligence community, right? All of a sudden, a, a much bigger broadening, similar issues when it comes to business systems, when it comes to running a much larger uh, enterprise at scale. So a, a great challenge. Really excited that the secretary asked me uh, to join the team and do this. I think the big thing moving forward and, and what I'm really focused on is not being like other, I think a lot of times folks come into new positions and it's like, hey, let's start from scratch, new strategy, new approach. I think we've been on a really good track in the Army. So now it's really about two really important things, right? One is readjusting the RIA stats, right? So in some areas, we may slow down a little bit, get a little bit more heavy on policy, think about how we institutionalize capabilities. And in other areas, we may be turning the RIA stats up real high. Right to move the ball down the field uh, in, in a much quicker pace, and I think uh, as we have this conversation, I think you'll see some of that, some of the areas that I'm going to be focused on. But I'll give you three big ones that are that are kind of important and are really pushing me forward. And that is, you know, we did very quick sprint to cloud, very quick sprint to get and start doing some DevSecOps type stuff. I think right now we're really focused on how where we are today. How do we start? institutionalizing those capabilities, right? Make it a lot easier for folks to onboard, a lot easier to folks to operate. I think we're really in the process of maturing what going to cloud looks like and maturing what DevSecOps looks like. And that's really going to be followed by a whole slew of of policy and guidance work to really shape uh, the Army, whether it be a a command or, or an acquisition program, on on how they do software better and how they get to the cloud in a a much quicker way. I think the other piece that a huge focus on is really going to be around uh, institutionalizing this thing we call data. So we got a data plan out the door. We're really working hard on the implementation piece, but now it's the eaches, right? It's really working on how do we get at, at some of the ICAM solutions? How do we start really looking at managing attributes for for accessing data? How do we mature the data environment inside the Army, whether it be kind of more forward-leaning like data science environments on the fly for for soldiers and for folks who have really tough problems, or or what I think is a more institutional thing is how do we start institutionalizing how we manage APIs across the board? So really excited to be here and really excited to come back and talk to you since it's been a while. And that being said, I'll I'll let you have the first question. All right. So good Initial ideas, and we're going to get to all those priorities. I'm going to 
ask you maybe take a, a few steps back and talk about that transition so far. It's only been a few months, but there's a lot to learn, a lot to take in. You mentioned that it's a broader role. We've got to deal with things like business systems and the larger enterprise. What are the steps you've taken to go around to say, okay, how do I learn this? What have your meetings been like with Lieutenant General Morrison at G6? He's going to play a big role in what you do. How have you gotten the lay of the land? One of the benefits of having been uh, already in the Army is is a lot of the folks uh, are, are folks that I've worked with in the past and, and on many projects. Coming into the seat, I think my first week, it was like I'd been here for a while already. There wasn't a lot of like all brand new faces, all, all brand new challenges. I think what I've really been focused on is the areas where I did not have a lot of, of play in, such as business systems, is really diving deep with the Office of Enterprise Management and really, really understanding what our business system footprint looks like across the Army, understanding my role as the CIO uh, in support of a defense business systems and really getting them out there and, and, and manage them at scale and securing them. So that has been a, a pretty interesting learning experience. I think one of the, the funny things about the transition here is a lot of the problems are the same problems that I dealt with on the Intel side, not very different. I, I was mentioning today to somebody that that the ints are like functional areas and business systems, similar challenges, similar back and forth. So I, I feel like I'm coming up to speed really quick in that space. The part that's been the most challenging, I would say, is, is really coming into and understanding that larger army budget, being very familiar with a small piece of it. What does that look like across uh, the entire army? And really thinking through that next step of maturing the process that we've kind of put in to really get all those digital resources uh, into into one place to manage at scale the Army's budget. That that has been a, a bit of a learning curve just coming from, from smaller scale uh, to this. I think the big thing has been really going out and reaching out to, to our partners in the environment across the board and lots of help from DOD CIO uh, on really bringing me up to speed on where we are, kind of a, a little bit of the history from their perspective of the Army. So they've been great partners on making sure uh, that I come up to speed uh, pretty smartly. And look, the rest of the Army has been awesome, right? Uh, and one of the good things about kind of already being in the Army is I'm a little bit of a known quantity. Uh, so so a lot of folks kind of knew me already from some of my work on the, on the intel and security side. Uh, so I've been able to really come in and, and focus on those core things uh, and really reduce that spin-up time. That would be difficult for somebody coming in fresh uh, off the street. I think that's a very important piece that we've seen both with you in the Army. We've uh, Venice Goodwine over at the Air Force, your, your the new Air Force CIO. Same thing, uh, someone who has kind of had some experience and, and is a bit of a known quantity, and I think that, that makes a big difference. When you talk about business systems, that's been a, a big challenge. I've talked to the folks at PEO EIS in the Army just recently, and we talked about some of their successes. What's the big thing you learned about business systems? Where are they, and, and how big of a challenge is that going to be for the Army? Is that something that – it's going to be part of that focus when you talk about cloud and, and DevSecOps, I'm sure. So I laugh, right? I get I get the first brief and it's like there's X amount of business systems. And then we're on a good track, EBSC or, or really that larger effort to converge business systems across the board, moving into the future and moving into 26 and beyond. I, I think it's great, right? Like we have a plan as an army. It's really informing how we manage uh, some of the legacy systems, and it's really starting to reshape how we think about business data and what that looks like in the future as part of our business system convergence efforts long term. So I think it looks really good, right? There's, there's a lot of times you come into a job and it's like, wow, there's a lot of work to do here, but there's no plan. I think I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, 
the beneficiary of some really great folks really spending a lot of time on getting a plan together on what business system convergence looks like and really shaping that future. And, and I'm very comfortable with where we are. I think like anything else, it'll continue to be this balance of changing the process while building new capability, while managing the, the training piece of folks who have to operate these systems. And it's going to be a delicate dance as we move forward. Uh, and at the same time, we have to balance that with maintaining those legacy systems that are still providing capabilities. And again, right, I think some folks this, think this is a science. I keep saying this is really the art of orchestrating all those things in tandem over the next couple of years. So I think we're in a really good spot. I like the plan. I think it makes a lot of sense. Now it's going to be, can we execute it at scale and, and very deliberately moving forward uh, to get to where we want to be? I love the fact you talk about the delicate dance. I think that would be the CIO's you know, kind of subhead uh, the delicate dance because everything is about finding that right balance of of maintaining legacy systems, importing new capabilities, uh, dealing with training of the workforce. Is there anything about the business systems modernization effort that surprised you or anything that you would say, hey, as the CIO, here's something that I need to do to help that dance be more uh, perfected or more beautiful? We'll go down that path of, of, of the dancing uh, analogy. Yeah, I, I think from what surprised me was that there was a, a very deliberate plan and that the portfolio of business systems across the Army was so well understood. I mean, the level of maturity that I saw coming in, I was actually pretty impressed with when I look across mission areas inside the Army. And, and when I've talked to other CIOs, I think we're all at different places, but but that area was very mature. And having that total understanding of what was out there and what the capabilities looked like really drove being able to do kind of business system convergence. I think the piece that I continue to kind of harp on as I look through building out the next generation systems and where we are today is really focusing around around two key areas, right? So what is the uh, what is that like enterprise framework for data? kind of API guidance moving forward in the business system landscape that will really enable both the acquisition community to, to just build better and build ready to integrate and still allow us to have that backwards compatibility to our legacy systems that we're going to have to maintain, uh, at least for the foreseeable future as we modernize. So I think there's, there's a significant amount of policy work that we're going to have to do there to help shape that. Um, part of that, too, is going to be thinking through kind of long-term accessing business systems, right, being being in a good place for uh, fiscal audit and what does that mean and really implementing ICAM in a really smart way. And I think that's going to be a combination of both functional folks and CIO really putting their heads together and thinking through what the policy and, and guidelines are going to be in that space and really putting on paper, hey, look, these are the attributes for, for financial audit. These are the attributes for cyber audit uh, to make sure that we can really get uh, our folks to have the right access in a safe and secure way moving forward. So I think there's definitely some areas, uh, some some growth industries, as I told my team, in, uh, in guidance and policy right now. Um, so we're moving out on really working with the functional community to see what that looks like. Leo, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guest today is Leo Garcia, the Army's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Leo Garcia, the Army's Chief Information Officer. You brought up the budget. We know that the 2024 budget is 
You have no idea what's going to happen with it. But at the same time, you also are planning the 2025 budget. Let's go down that path a little bit. Uh, I know your predecessor, Raj Iyer, did a lot of work to really get the Army CIO into a better place around the budget. Did that surprise you? Did you know how that change had come to be? And, and what does that mean for you now as you walk into this role in terms of managing and overseeing and, and having authority around the Army's IT budget? I was very well aware, uh, definitely part of the conversation. Interestingly enough, about two years before, we'd done the same thing on the Intel side with the IT budget around Intel systems. So I, I thought it was definitely the right move. It's it, what makes sense. I do think that the that digital requirements and resourcing kind of construct and that approach to understand uh, across the board what IT resourcing looks like and where we have some opportunities to, to you know, do some puts and takes and, and make sure that we're investing in the right place as we modernize is huge. I feel a lot more comfortable today than let's say I probably would have four or five years ago. We have a lot more visibility, not only into the IT budget, but how that spend uh, is occurring today. But I think the bigger piece is taking that understanding it and tying it back to where we're going as an army. So it informs our investment strategy moving forward, right? 25 and beyond. Uh, for things like the unified network, as we continue to collapse our organizational networks uh, into one, as we look at implementing some of the capabilities to meet those zero trust principles, I think having that budget visibility is really allowing us to make some smart resourcing decisions and definitely allowing us to shape the budget of the future that's a lot more in line with kind of our implementation plan to get to that unified network. So I, I, I'm excited. I, I think we've we've gotten to the point right now, too, where the rest of the Army uh, is very comfortable with the approach. And, and they realize that this really is about making sure that we have uh, the agility and flexibility to adjust uh, resourcing uh, across the entire Army to make sure that we continue on our modernization path. I know it's been a short time, and this budget authority is relatively new. I know Raj Iyer talked about this idea of 2025 was really the, the bigger deal. Can you just give me a little bit of an example or anything that comes to mind about where that agility has come into play and, and allowed you to adjust? Uh, cybersecurity is probably the easy one, but uh, I'll let you pick any one you want. Cybersecurity is always the easy one, right? <laughs> look, I think when I look at this and just in my in my short time here, right, so less than 60 days on the job, I do think that some of that agility has come in areas where there are, are legacy capabilities where we're really moving out quickly on, on the modernization front and giving us a better understanding of the risk that we're taking. So by understanding what that risk is, it, it, it allows us to, in some cases, uh, move some of our modernization efforts up uh, and move them uh, to the left. So I think that that's, that's the real benefit, right? I think without having that visibility across the budget, it's always difficult to make these these tough bets I think the one thing is with with having that look at resourcing, kind of the process we've gone through inside the Army, we, we've been able to make some very informed risk decision and really made some big bets in the sense of accepting risk in, in, in some operational delivery today to really accelerate capabilities in the next year or two that really get us at securing the network in a much more efficient way. And, and really delivering that user experience in a more uh, deliberate and mature way. So, so I do think, if anything, that's, that's the biggest benefit that we're seeing right now. And that's the agility we're getting is to make some, some big bets and some, some tough decisions uh, in an informed way. 
And I know more will come as you understand what your budget is going to look like for 24 and into 25 as you put that together with the White House and, and the folks across DOD. So I know we'll have plenty to talk about there. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation kind of the three big priority areas. You talked about the quick sprint to the cloud and DevSecOps. You talked about more focus on institutionalizing data and, then of course, the policy. Let's start with the cloud. I think that's a area the Army has been leading uh, with ECMA, the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency. Today, you are where with the cloud and where do you hope to go, whether it's through ECMA or through the Joint Warfighter Cloud Capability, the JWCC contract. Walk me through some thinking about in your priorities around cloud. Yeah, so on JWCC, super excited, right? So uh, again, sometimes you, your experience kind of drives your thoughts on things. I think having been a beneficiary of, uh, of CloudWorks and C2S and C2E on the intelligence side, I think DOD CIO did the right thing. I think JWCC is uh, moving in the right direction for the entire DOD enterprise. We are actively engaged right now on starting to get some task orders, especially on the IL-6 side on JWCC to really run through through some reps. The team has been great at this, uh, at helping shape that with us and kind of working through those initial those initial kinks and friction points. So I'm really excited at what the future looks like uh, and definitely going to make our lives easier, I think, long-term uh, with JWCC up, uh, up and running as we start leveraging it. And look, I think on where we are in the story on cloud, I think it's, it's a great story, right? I think often we talk about multi-cloud and like, yeah, we're just going to do this stuff. I think right now we're we're seeing this space where you know we're up on almost all the cloud providers that are available, but definitely up on uh, on Amazon, Microsoft. Definitely a big, uh, pretty decent sized footprint on Google supporting uh, folks in in the training environment and and some of the folks out in the uh, research and lab environment. And I think the next piece is our our move looking at what does uh, what does Oracle look like. We have some opportunities we're looking at there. So I think we're really kind of having having the benefit right now of of cutting across a lot of those uh, cloud service providers. Uh, with obviously our, our our largest footprint being where you know where the Army has had some capability or has already started moving capabilities. Uh, we do have a slew. I think the surprising thing with cloud for me coming into this space from the intelligence community was really, I saw, which I didn't think I was going to see, I thought I would see a lot of programs of record and a lot of big programs in there first. And we have a slew of those, but I think what we've really seen is is commands who have a, a lot of great capability trying to get to the cloud first, understanding the benefit of moving to cloud and then really pushing hard to get there. Sometimes harder, I think, that the throughput's bigger than uh, an ECMA can handle, but I think we're we're working to how we mature that process to uh, to speed things up. But I think we're in a good place as an army. Uh, definitely a lot of diversity in in uh, in capability, and I think like everyone else, right? We continue to learn and refine both the the process in the cloud, right? How we work costing models around it how we're resourcing it, how we're contracting for it. I think that's an ever-evolving space. Since I've sat in the seat, we've already pushed out two uh, guidance memos, one around JWCC to start moving the entire army in that way, and then one relaxing some of the constraints that we've had for contracting for cloud support in order to really maximize uh, industry's ability to come partner with us to get there. So I think we're in a great spot. I think we're we're in the what I would call maturing stage of of cloud right now. Leo, you know you got me excited when you said we pushed out two guidance memos. My little reporter antennas are, are, are going back and forth. So maybe talk a little bit about that first one on JWCC. Uh, we know the DOD CIO put one out saying, hey, we're really going to strongly encourage, if not mandate, the use of it. Did you all do the same, or how did you build off that DOD CIO memo? 
We did. We did. We we pushed the memo out that said we are going to strongly encourage that we go to JWCC. I think right now our our approach has been um, we need some time to get off kind of camo uh, and where we are in the story there. I think uh, that that's been a, a great effort and has allowed us to get a lot of capability in the cloud. I think we we got to get the team in a good spot to operationalize JWCC. So we really, my guidance to the Army was really, hey, let's focus on JWCC and IL-6. Let's get some reps in. Let's mature the process. Um, and then as we do that, we'll start shifting off and making sure that we're all in, all over, on every network fabric for JWCC. I think that made a lot of sense just because of where we are in the story right now uh, and being sensitive to, we don't want to disturb programs that are in the middle, especially if with, with a hard change in, in how we're contracting for cloud. But the philosophy is JWCC first. So that's really where we're pushing. And then the other one really was an internal army kind of approach to contracting for cloud. We we're probably a little too restrictive uh, in our approach, which really meant that we were not getting best value. So we really pushed hard to open up the aperture to allow uh, commands and PEOs to really go out there and get the right vendor that could support them, whether they were building new things in the cloud or or just getting uh, support to manage inside of VPC. We wanted to make sure that they had the flexibility they needed and, and relax that uh, restriction. Just going back to the GWCC memo real quick, the idea is strongly encouraged first, but eventually you, do you expect camo to sunset? Do you expect people to move off of, okay, I worded this task order to camo. I'm going to move that task order when the time is right over to GWCC because I'm sure, and this is what I've heard from other agencies, there's a lot of overlap, right? You have Azure on JWCC, you have Azure on Camo. There's, it's, it's really just a contracting action versus an actual, uh-oh, I need to pick up lift and shift, for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fair. No, I, I think your articulation of that's correct, right? It's really a contract in action. No, our our intent is to maximize our use of uh, of JWCC uh, across the board. So as as we move forward, right, we'll we'll get more and more task orders on there. And look, I think this is really about you know best value. I think as the as the department and all the services pull their resources together and really start leveraging at scale of JWCC, I think we're going to see those real huge long-term cost savings similar to what uh, the intelligence community saw with uh, C2E. So I think we're going to be moving in that direction. And then just going back, and I know there's plenty to talk about, but you know, any, any new memos, you know, get us excited here. But just going back to the buying of cloud, you said it was a little too restrictive. We really want to make sure we get the right vendors with the right support. Is there anything more you're able to kind of offer? I would say it was a little bit more about we as an army had made an early on decision to minimize a sprawl of cloud support contracts, <laughs> not actually buying cloud, but support contracts through a couple of uh, enterprise agreements that were out there. But we were finding is we we're probably not getting best value. So we really just opened up the aperture uh, so folks could have a, an opportunity to get uh, best value as far as their support contracts for cloud. Okay. I appreciate that. A little bit so, different. <laughs> yeah. It's helpful to understand it because I think folks will hear guidance and hear memos and they just want to uh, make sure they understand it. Leo, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guest today is Leo Garcia, the Army's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Leo Garcia, the Army's Chief Information Officer. Jumping similar to cloud, but but different DevSecOps, you mentioned the focus today and in institutionalizing some of those capabilities. I, I know you mentioned in one of your speeches back in, in uh, TechNet that there's some policies coming out around software, maybe bring those two pieces together, DevSecOps, software buying or software oversight. 
What are you thinking in that area? I think super excited in that space right now. Uh, we just signed out yesterday software container policy. So some initial guidance out to the force for how to best leverage, secure, and deploy uh, software containers uh, inside the Army. Badly needed. Um, I think a, a, a lot of folks doing great things, trying to put their applications and their capabilities into containers uh, and doing it with with little guidance. So I think we we really focused uh, as a team up here on how do we get the best guidance out to the army at large that allows us to be in a in a more secure space, but gives us the flexibility we need across all of our uh, software development activities that are out there. And again, right, one one of those things where a lot of great folks across the army kind of came together from uh, from our cyber from Netcom here up at CIO from the G6 and from the acquisition community to really sit down and, and think through the some of the challenges that we were having, both with software being developed by commands and software being developed at, uh, uh, within the uh, acquisition community to get kind of the best guidance we could get out that really starts shaping how the Army leverages uh, software containers uh, across the board. So I'm really excited that that we got that out. Great meeting with DOD CIO on it today and definitely really thinking through like what's next, right? Um, I think the other pieces that we're, we're starting to think about, we have uh, some initial guidance that's going to come out here in the next couple of weeks. And I know you heard it. I think, Jason, like four and a half years ago, we talked about it. We're going to talk about it again, uh, is putting out some guidance uh, for, for reciprocity. I think really looking across the, the department on where we are. And when I think of, you know, what's happening on the CJC2 side and, and folks across the department building and leveraging capabilities across the board, this idea that that we have to go re-accredit things and relook at it from a security uh, perspective is really slowing us down and kind of uh, hampering us. So we're, we're looking at putting some, some initial guidance out here in the next couple of weeks. It's being triaged across the Army, some of the same players, to look at adding some flexibility uh, for both authorizing officials and, and for the Army to more quickly leverage capability that's already been looked at by, by another uh, combat support agency or MILDEP and also uh, to make sure that we have the ability to quickly bring that onto our networks uh, in a smart way. So we've got quite a bit of work that's going into that right there, which will tie back into the container policy and making sure that we have that reciprocity across the services uh, for containers that are being built elsewhere. The that's just a tease, Jason. I, I know, and I'm excited. Now I want to ask lots of questions about that, but I know you're, you're, the answer would be you have to wait until the memo's done before I can talk much more about it. Right. <laughs> The goal, the goal, I imagine, with the reciprocity, just generally speaking, is to reduce the amount of time it takes to get to if, if to get cloud services or software or software as a service onto the Army's networks. That that's the long term goal, or, or the that's the overarching goal. One hundred percent. That's that's the direction we're trying to to move in right now. Um, I think uh, folks who've known me a long time have always said if. A bunch of great Americans at an organization checked this and did it the right way. We should be good to go. We probably shouldn't be checking their homework. Let's move out. So I think uh, I think I'm excited on, on on where we're going, and it makes a lot of sense. And hopefully, it drives some some significant change across the department that allows allows us to share capability uh, more seamlessly. All right, a lot more to follow up with there. I want to shift a, uh, over to another priority and, and that you mentioned earlier on, and you mentioned was this idea of institutionalizing data. Uh, you, you mentioned there's the 
DOD data strategy, the Army has a data strategy, and then you're looking at some ICAM solutions. That's come up several times around identity and access and credentialing management. What are some thoughts around the data? How are you kind of looking at this maturation of the data environment? So much to talk about in this space, but some things that are kind of in the in the forefront for me right now, especially on the on the heels of very shortly some uh, API guidance coming out from the department. I think it's timely. I think one of the things we need to focus on as we start to push more and more capability to the cloud and we start modernizing, uh, we're finding uh, some deltas between our legacy systems and and our uh, modernized systems and how we talk to them. And, and more and more, we're realizing that there's some work that needs to be done to kind of standardize our approach to APIs and identify them. You know, my thought on this has been we have some opportunities in many cases across functional areas to really understand how we build kind of an API library that helps existing systems not just integrate with each other, but helps us have a good way to take some of our legacy systems that we'll have to integrate at some point talk back to those. So we're working really hard. We have a couple of efforts right now with some folks on the uh, electronic warfare side and on the intelligence side to get some initial guidance out to the force on, hey, look, this is what what a standard API looks like, and and this is where you're going to store it, and this is how everybody should look, at at least from an initial interface perspective that will really help uh, the acquisition community, one, in in their competitions, like have, have a good way of articulating what our expectations are from a from a digital perspective to to move data, but also uh, help some of the legacy systems think through how they're going to talk to some of our modern systems. So we we continue to work in that space. I think that's a really evolving space. So we'll see some initial guidance come out that I'm sure we'll do many an iteration on. So that's one piece. I think the other piece too is just we're still very much on that road of of just understanding what um, the data landscape looks like. And I'll put that in two different places. One is, you know, what really are our authoritative data sources? What are those data products that are authoritative? And making sure that that we as a, as a larger enterprise understand what those are. I think uh, our CDO, Dr. Markowitz, has done a great job of kind of leading the effort um, to really capture that and, and catalog that. And, and again, warfighting functions are all at different levels of maturity. So I think we continue to work with with everyone to kind of bring bring that uh up to uh up to par across the board. I think the other piece which is huge is is just a huge push on data literacy, right? Definitely we've seen a big push of that. And again, another place where everyone's kind of in a different spot in that area. But what we have seen, which really excites me, is a huge organic push by some commands, right? Uh, whether it be 18th Airborne Corps, uh NSCOM, some of the folks at R Cyber really pushing out kind of train the trainer approach, bringing some experts in, really building out what I would call a, a data literacy 101 course on the fly with some help from folks at, uh, at West Point and, and the War College, and really turning that into a, a, a labor of love and really training the force across the board. I think they're up to almost 4,000 folks that have been have been trained, and, and they're talking about, you know, what's that next generation course look like? So I'm really excited where we're going. What's even more exciting about that is the momentum has been so much that it's now getting pushed into the institutional army. As we start looking at some of the schoolhouses, they're taking some of that work and really pushing it in. So we're going to continue to be kind of moving forward on on how we maximize data literacy across the board to really get everybody speaking uh, the same language. And I think that's a critical piece to 
to modernization and a critical piece to how do you mature the enterprise, right? When we're all speaking the same language, uh, we can really move forward very quickly. So there's just some two areas that I think are, are really critical right now that we're going to be focused on over the next couple of months. A lot of vendors do listen to the show. A lot of folks in the Army and, and, and the other services and, and defense agencies will probably listen to the show. What's your message to them? What, what do you want them to know about where the Army is going, where the Army CIO's office is, is leading? Yeah. Hey, look, we're a partner, right? I think that's a big thing. I continue to tell folks and spend a lot of time talking to folks in the industry and right, the greatest team members. Uh, and we, we, we move together. I think my big thing is, you know, we're going to continue to modernize at, at speed and scale. <laughs> and where we really need help is sometimes on the areas where industry is already doing good, right? Organically. Um, I think what helps me all the time is when one of our industry partners, CIO, comes in and says, hey, look, here's how we did this. Here was our approach. And and sharing those TTPs with us actually moves us a long way forward. Um, a lot of times we focus on, on the capability that's being delivered from an industry partner, but I'm starting to find more and more that where we're getting a lot of lift is, is when industry CIOs and CTOs are coming in and they're saying, hey, look, understand what's happening in your digital transformation, where you're trying to go. Here's some lessons learned. Here's what we've seen. And that's really helped us and it's helped reshape some of our thinking. And I think even in the first 60 days here, we've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of industry CIOs uh, and we've started to move out on, on rethinking how we're doing some things uh, within Army CIO. But I'm excited, right? And like I said, I think the big thing is we're not going to start from scratch and rewrite an entire strategy. I think we're at the point right now we're really focused on implementing that strategy and adjusting the RIA stats where they need to be adjusted based on where we are in the story. So my door is always open. I know I said that at TechNet and a lot of folks were knocking on my door, uh, but my big thing is making sure that that we have a, a very transparent and open uh, conversation with industry as much as possible. Leo, I very much enjoyed our conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So uh, let me thank my guest. Leo Garcia is the Army Chief Information Officer. Great to catch up with you again, and thanks so much for your time. Jason, really appreciate the time. I look forward to talking to you again. We have to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears and hear from the Air Force's new CIO, Venus Goodwine. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. For this segment of the show, I played an excerpt of a speech by the Air Force's new CIO, Venus Goodwine. She spoke at the recent Department of the Air Force IT and Cyber Power Education and Training Conference. Enterprise Information Environment Mission Area. That is what the CIO actually enables. How is that? Department of Defense created this structure. It wasn't me. It wasn't the Air Force. They created this structure to make sure that we can identify the investments by portfolio that deliver the capabilities. This is the same way in which our budget is reported. If you pull the 23 budget, DOD budget, you will see these same mission areas with sub-portfolios. We will do the same thing in Department of the Air Force. We won't be different. Why? Because again, foundationally, I don't do cloud just because I need business systems in the cloud. I do cloud because I need it at the tactical edge as well. Because if I'm going to put data at the tactical edge, where am I going to house it? If I'm going to have a mission partner environment to share with my coalition partners, I will need cloud. I will need zero trust. I will need ICAM. I will need micro segmentation. All those things that make the enterprise work, they also make you work at the tactical edge. So we will execute 
our, our enterprise environment. Yes, platforms, cloud, all of those things. We will make sure. But what's interesting is the missionaries. You see there's a business mission area, a war fighting mission area, and then there is an intel mission area. I don't own those dollars. I don't want to. What I want to make sure is that the capabilities that we deliver based on our strategy, based on the roadmaps, that they meet the requirements that you have. So I'll expect that our management office, MG, for the business missionary will provide me requirements. Yes, General Snotty, General Lauterbach, two, Lauterbach, 2-6, will make sure that I have requirements. Yes, even though there's different funding types, I'm not interested in the money. I just want to make sure, again, that the capabilities that we're providing from our enterprise can be leveraged. That's what's important. Is that my cue? I didn't do that. I promise. <laughs> Is that my get off the stage card? So listen, here's something I also want you to remember. You'll hear this phrase. Oh, I have more time. You'll hear this phrase, 3CIT. The IT is me. But the C's, communication, cybersecurity, cyberspace, they go together. So that's how we collectively will deliver the capabilities that you need as a warfighter, airmen, guardians, civilians. We will make sure of that. So now I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. It's partnerships. Can't do this alone. Matter of fact, I won't try. I need your partnerships. Industry, I'm saying thank you now. What do I need from you, industry? I'll give you a couple of things. One, you talk to the MADCOMs and the FIELDCOMs and the other, other functional CIOs. Be my sensor. Understand my strategy. And when they give you a requirement, say, do you know also that the CIO has an enterprise license agreement you can use? Thank you for that, industry. Let's work together. Industry, I ask you, how do you use your product in your company? Because that's the secret sauce that I really want to know. Because how do I use it in mine? I want to make sure that we could partner. Industry, I need your understanding. I don't have unlimited dollars. So that when you see me rationalize my portfolio and I make changes in the portfolio, it's not personal. It's requirements-based. I have to be prudent with my dollars. Industry, communicate with me. How? You will see me have open houses. You will see me have industry days. Why? Because I have wicked problems to solve. And I tell you, all of us in the room collectively, we can do it. But I need to have an ideas other than mine. So industry, I want to partner with you. Small businesses, for you for sure. I will make sure that I work with the small business office in the Pentagon to make sure I'm leveraging all the opportunities for small businesses. I know, I hear you, I've heard it for years, right? But I will tell you something my good friend said, it is about also scale and scope. So let's make sure that we work together to get the right capabilities, the right partnerships so that we can deliver for our warfighters. Industry. Also, I want to make sure I talk about partnerships again with you. 
my airmen and guardians, how will I know what your pain points are? Well, I will tell you, the first thing I did in the job is I emailed the MAGCOM commanders. And I said, hi, I'm Venus Goodwine, and new DAV CIO. I want to enable your strategy. And they emailed me back, say, great, let's talk. So I will definitely email. I will definitely work with the MAGCOM commanders, the DCOMs, my MAGCOMs, my field, com field commanders, and make sure that I understand your requirements. And my answer will be yes, and I'll tell you how. If you get a no from the office of the CIO, let's talk. Because now, if it's illegal, immoral, unethical, absolutely it's no, but I know you're not going to ask me those things, right? So when you have a requirement, let's talk about it. I want to make sure that I partner again. Academia, let's partner. It is important that the graduates that you produce, we hire. So let's partner on the skills. Again, industry, you're involved. What does that emerging technology look like in the next five to 15 years? Time horizons matter. So academia, I want to make sure that I partner with you. I'm going to say this again, and not because he introduced me, but General Skinner, I want to partner with you. I have a disaffirmed mentality. That is a great service organization that is delivering capabilities. I want to make sure that we leverage them because then I don't have to build my own infrastructure. I can leverage the work that he's doing. So please, we will partner with you, DISA. DOD CIO, later today, you will see Ms. Beavers, Leslie Beavers on the line, on the stage um, on behalf of Honorable Sherman. We will partner with the DOD CIO. Every year, DOD CIO updates our capability programming guidance. We must be in alignment with that. Why is that important? Because he has the responsibility of all the mill depths and the fourth estate. So we have to make sure that we are partnered together. Again, partnership is my theme. So already, Matchcoms, I've already talked to you, um, your commanders, my A6s. Where is Delgado Oz? If he's in the room, I had the opportunity to go to you safety and to see the mission firsthand. I'm excited. I talked to General Hecker and I know what his pain points are. That will be our focus. PACAF, Colonel Crowell, I know thunder's gone. The cloud and I had a great conversation before he left. Crunch, where are you? Luckily, I know him from way back, way back. So excited to work with you as you enable Indo-PACOM as well. So definitely, and that doesn't mean the other match comms aren't important, but I told you what my boss cares about. What's that? What my boss likes fascinates me. So I'm not sliding anyone else. But partnerships are going to be important. So hold me to it. Hold me accountable to it. That's all the time we have for today. You just heard from Air Force's new CIO, Venus Goodwine. She spoke at the recent Department of the Air Force IT and Cyber Power Education and Training Conference. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.